Your stinger is broken, your venom is dry. Move it out, your sins that malign. You're drowned by my perfect fire. All right, what do you say we count it down? We'll explain what we're doing. Then all the people can have all the information and the people can drink their coffee in peace. That sounds amazing. We'll be back here. All right, so everybody ready? So we're gonna count it down in five, four, three, two, one. Woo! And we're live still. Hello. We've been live for a little while now. <laughs> uh, my name is Father Peter Musset. And my name is Scott Powell. And um, you are listening to The Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys? And you might be watching The Word on the Hill with the Lanky yeah, Guys. Yeah, you might be. Or maybe both. You might be in Israel. You mm. might be in Wakataka, uh, Washington. I don't know. I've just made up. a. If you're there, you're awesome. I don't even know if that's a town. <laughs> it might be. Yep. There's a lot of little towns in Washington. That yeah, man. And, and they have W's in them. Walla Walla, Walla is Walla. actually a town, which was one of the f happiest moments of my life when I realized that actually was a city in Washington. <laughs> it really is. Walla yeah. Walla, I've been there. Anyway, it is Tuesday, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, which means it's Giving Tuesday, which is why we're coming to you live. This is the Luke 21 Challenge. And so welcome to it, Father Peter. Welcome to all of you here. Welcome to all watching on Facebook. Welcome to those of you who are listening next Thursday who didn't know what was going on. But we're trying to raise $21,000 in 24 hours today. We've already raised 730 bucks so far for the ministry here at St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Word on the Hill podcast is a part of the bigger ministry that we do here at St. Thomas Aquinas as we try to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church to CU Boulder. Yep, and it's awesome. Uh, there's uh, about, you know, uh, anywhere between 38,000 and 40,000. Anywhere between three... And, and 45,000 four, people. Listening. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere, you know, and, and there's, the there's a cat in there who just <laughs> loves playing with the keyboard and the download button. I and, uh, that. and so we love your cat. Thank you for making us feel very cool. Your cat the is awesome. That, that there's so many of you. Um, we are approaching the end of the year. Uh, That's true. And we are beginning a new year. So like mm. right now, Tuesday, we are in the um, the week of Christ the King, the 34th Sunday in Ordinary. Well, I like it in the lectionary. It says a 34th Sunday in Ordinary Time or the last Sunday. <laughs> That's it. Because it's an ordinal. no chapter 35. Well, well no, because it's an ordinal number. Mm. So an ordinal number is counting. But what is it? So it's first, second, third, not one, two, and three. Is ordinal number redundant? Like table mesa? No, 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 no. It isn't because because <laughs> you have a table. numerical number, ah, which is ordinal which means is, like in progression. Yeah, right? ma mathematicians oh. do not do math with ordinal numbers. We've got some mathematicians over here shaking their heads yeah, and like, nodding simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we do not. What you're do saying math. is ridiculous. You know, f first minus fourteenth. You just don't do it. <laughs> Maybe you don't do it. <laughs> I mean, really quick before we go there, for those of you who don't know, we're in the Drogo's Coffee Bar right now, which is awesome. If you're anywhere near Boulder, you should come and check out Drogo's because it's a great coffee shop. Um, and if you would like to help us today, so a little bit of business before we get into the lectionary. Whoop, whoop. If you want to help us out today on Giving Tuesday with the Luke 21 Challenge, or again, trying to raise $21,000 for this amazing ministry. You see a lot of the students and parishioners and community members are all gathered here. We have the most amazing spot right across the street from the University of Colorado, which gives us an amazing opportunity to actually reach out and bring the gospel over there. So if you would like to help us out, you can actually, this is new this year, you can text us. Y'all ready for this? Everybody ready? Everybody ready? You can text us at 
337-720-513-7337. And a link is going to be sent to you automatically, and you can actually make a donation right there on your phone, which is awesome. Or you can go to thomascenter.org slash Luke21challenge. Um, and I think we have links to all this stuff on Facebook. They're going to be linked in the comments, so you can kind of scroll through and find all that stuff. Um, again, we thank you so much uh, for listening to us, for your prayers, but also for your support, because we can't do this ministry. We can't do a podcast like this um, without you guys. And it's we have our ministry here, and we do what we do at the university, and it's amazing to see that the classes that we do and the, the retreats and the small groups and the Bible studies and the events and all the stuff that's going on. But it's also really cool that through this ministry, we know a lot of you guys use this podcast. We know there's a, there's a whole lot of priests that use this as sort of background for their homilies. Um, we know that there's men's groups and women's groups and mom's groups who use this as Bible study material to actually use in your own parishes. So you're carrying on the work of this ministry wherever you are. And so we thank you for that. And if you, if you like what we're doing, if you want to help us out, then, uh, then help us out today. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's all the business I got. Yeah, it's it's just so good. You guys don't even know uh, the the uh, the power of your support for us. Um, not only by uh, just listening, uh, when you greet us and say hello when we're in Saskatoon, uh, all the Which way I'm gonna to be this weekend, New York and Houston, Texas and Honolulu. Like when you say hello to us when I wish we're I was in Honolulu. Uh, I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I wish you were in Honolulu too. Oh, thanks, man. Like, oh no, I, I love you. Oh, because oh, I thought it was because you loved me. No, it's yeah, yeah. I just want to get rid of. Yeah, you. I just want to get All rid right. of you. Okay, that's all right. Whatever. No, I your support and when you say hello, but also when you give to us, uh, it's wonderful the amount of relationships that we've been able to build with all of you mm. and um, uh, the priests who listen. And you, you know what? One of my favorite thing is I, I love it when um, when, when I don't get the podcast up and I get frantic priests writing me on <laughs> Friday night or Saturday morning. Where's the no, podcast? Yeah, it, it, I need it. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. I love when I uh, listen to like anyone from my parochial vicar using a material that they got from the uh, nice. from the uh, podcast to uh, when I hear bishops use it. I haven't heard a bishop use it yet, okay. actually. I was say, like, who's using it? <laughs> I know. That's, that's what I want to know. They so might. if you're a bishop and you're like tuned in on Facebook Live, A, you're the most impressive bishop in the world uh, because I have no idea idea how you're the free time but b if you actually listen you gotta let us know because uh, that would be like that would be a crowning jewel and if you're too embarrassed to say it's okay your secret's safe with us <laughs> nobody's listening yeah yeah and if you use us please don't quote us that would uh, that would that would not be good you just feel free to you steal just, you just steal everything that's like that's that's the glory so Rip it off um, all right. All right. Well, Business. We are into the first Sunday of Advent. Okay. Really Year quick question. C. Is this usually the way it works? Because it feels like, so we're right now in between Thanksgiving and the first Sunday of Advent. And I always thought the first Sunday of Advent fell right after Thanksgiving. Is that not true? Or have I just missed a week every year? Were you listening to any of that? No, I was enjoying my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's, anyway, it's the first really Sunday good, of Advent. This is a really good cortado. Does the first Sunday of Advent usually fall right after Thanksgiving? Always. Or is it usually like a week or oh, so away? No, it, it just depends on how the how the year okay, uh, so has it's worked not always. out. All it's right. not always. Okay, because well, it no, feels like a long time in between. Well, it should because the date is set between December 25th and... But of course, no, there's a little bit of flux. You could have one week as a gap. All right. I don't feel like we had the gap last week, but I feel like we do this year. Yep. All right. Anyway. Well, I had a good Thanksgiving. I actually lost weight, by the way. Excellent In between work. Thanksgiving and now. Wow. Yeah. You need to fill up on leftovers. To get, yeah, I know. Get you back Ooh. to weight there, Father Peter. I know. I, even though I did eat half a pie, but we're not going <laughs> to. Yeah. That nobody, was, nobody it was heard. so Your good. Your secret's safe It was a us. blueberry pie. It was a very good pie. Blueberry pie on Thanksgiving? Yeah, Just man. Doesn't, that seems weird. No, man. It was a good pie. 
<laughs> it's like blue clerics. It, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't seem right. You know? I don't know. I kind of been thinking about getting a set. Don't of you blue have clerics? blue clerics? Oh, you have the no, white Episcopalian clerics. <laughs> That's fine. I wear it with my tweed jacket, and it <laughs> confuses absolutely. You everybody. look like an Episcopal bishop. All right, the first Sunday of first Sunday of Advent. Our first reading is coming from Jeremiah thirty-three. I got there first. Boom! How did I feel weird, man? It's all right, man. Jeremiah thirty-three, verse fourteen through sixteen, is our first reading this week. Dude, he got there before me. Do you know that that's my always my thing? Is I like try to let him wind up and then I steal it. And I've oh. never realized it in five years of doing this podcast. Yeah. So you let your secret out. Um, okay. And now, now our responsorial <laughs> psalm is from Psalm twenty-five, verses four to five, eight to nine, ten, and fourteen, with our response coming from number one one b i gotta tell you man i i like read the whole psalm this time and it's a very good psalm i have a different translation that you will very much enjoy Ooh, just of one word yeah our second reading is from first thessalonians chapter 3 verse 12 through chapter 4 verse 2 boom boom um no see this gives you the gospel though i know if you let me have the first reading you get the good stuff well, it's kind of like you're my deacon, which I always kind of want you to be a deacon. I have never said this actually I kind of out like loud. you're my deacon. I, w- I wish Scott Powell was a deacon. Anybody who thinks that Scott Powell should be ordained a That's deacon. That's not how this works. Should um, text in, right into the lanky Gosh. guys. And if we get enough of them. This is how bad vocations take This place. is how bad vocations <laughs> take place. Yeah, maybe that. And our gospel true. is coming from, from Luke. Hey, no, that's my <laughs> job, Suckerface. Okay. Did you just um, call me Suckerface? I did. Wow. Um, we are on uh, the gospel. Today is Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 28, and 34 to 36. It's almost like a challenge. Luke 21 challenge. Oh, Luke 20, <laughs> that's the name of this. Luke 21 challenge, everybody. That didn't stick. Sometimes they were, you lob them up into the world, and uh, sometimes they land, sometimes they don't. Mm. Oh, well, well thanks get, for coming, everybody. This has been a great podcast. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you this next is time. wonderful. You no guys way. have been so generous. Thank you. Um, you know, it's Whenever funny. I don't know how to segue, I say that. Oh, I didn't so know, you know that. I never, I never recognized that before. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I actually looked up um, Jeremiah 33 in my interlinear, and it was the most, I was like reading this, and I was like, what is going on? Because I, I oftentimes, I like to just go to the Greek first before I go to a translation. And um, then you should go to the Hebrew first. Well, then I went to just the saying. Well, I went to the Greek, and it was totally not even the same thing at all. It was really? like yeah, Jeremiah and some town, and they were just prophesying against it. I literally right. couldn't find it, so I had to go to the Hebrew. Right. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to rely on the Hebrew. I, well, man, How Hebrew is—it's all backwards in my interlinear. So like, it's written because it is backwards. I know. Oh, that's <laughs> it's really hard to read. It is hard to read if you've ever tried to do it. Mm. So, shoot. Well, here's the thing. I actually have, well, how am I going to say this? I don't have all that much to say about the actual reading, but I've got a lot to say about what comes before. Because it's what comes before, I think, in my humble little opinion. Number one is one of my favorite stories. Favorite stories. That's a weird, it's a pretty dark story, but it's a really favorite. I guess it's one of the favorites. What, what are you pointing at? I can look at you through the camera. Yeah, but that's depersonalizing it. No, no, no. I don't no, want to no, know I'm you through a screen. I want to know you. But then, but then the oh people get to know you through the, the screen, and then they fine. feel like you're talking to them. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> All right. Um, what were we talking about? I'm looking in your eyes right now. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to look at you this way and not this way. I know. Which I think I is know. a good thing. I think that's healthy. I can, right? I I have I a hard can understand time. that you that you don't want to be virtualized. I don't know what it is. It's just habitual. Okay, so what's coming before on the right. on the, the guys? There's an amazing, on, on the, there's Jeremiah. a really interesting story that happens before. Okay, so Jeremiah, to, to put in kind of a, um, a category, Jeremiah 30 through 33 is sort of a, 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 
it's a little um what do you call it it's a thing it's like a, it's like pericope a, it's, like a, it's not quite a pericope pericope just always makes me laugh <laughs> i guess it's kind of it's not quite a pericope it's a it's All an inclusio right. we we got i'm 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 all, okay we got to get to business my my mind is no my mind is racing in different directions that's why that's why we you gotta just back look it up. forward think you're a teacher but that's not how we do this podcast. I, I look know, at you. I know. But then I'm looking at you and them at the same time. <laughs> they don't need to know all of our drama. <laughs> oh, my God. This is what usually gets edited out of the podcast. I'm very sorry that you guys have to endure this Sometimes right now. It gets, <laughs> Sometimes it gets edited yeah, out. Yeah, we're stuck with You're stuck with this now. They got a little bubbly heart when somebody liked that. They got a bubbly heart? Thanks, yeah, little heart. There's better things that you can bubbly heart us about, don't you think? <laughs> no, thank you. I should just be grateful for what I get. Okay, come on. Let's talk. I'm trying, man. Okay. All right, Jeremiah. Here's what you need to know about Jeremiah. Here's your background. So, Jeremiah, it's also weird because everyone can see me looking at my notes, but I need my notes. Or else yeah, I'm no, not no, no get that's it right. fine. <laughs> Jeremiah is basically a collection of oracles, um, which are, are warnings, right? They're poetic warnings that are they're essentially given against the holy city of Jerusalem and the people of Judea, right? So the people of God have fallen far from God. They've broken the covenant. They've sinned. They've fallen into idolatry, all sorts of stuff. And so Jeremiah is one of the prophets who's called by God to go and announce judgment is coming, warnings to them. And so it, the structure of the book is actually really interesting. I think, were we talking about Isaiah a couple weeks ago? I can't remember. Isaiah is is we're doing. Al- we're always talking about. I feel Isaiah. like we're always in Isaiah. Isaiah is similar to Jeremiah, but Jeremiah is much clearer to read. It's just set up in a much more practical, makes sense kind of a way. So the way it works, chapter one through twenty-five contains basically a whole series of either oracles or warnings or big weird symbolic actions that Jeremiah is doing to announce judgment on Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at the time, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. They're feeling pretty high. They have just recently um, won, well, what they think was a win over the Assyrian Empire. They think everything's good. They're having prosperity. Things are okay. And here's this guy, Jeremiah, who's telling them that everything is terrible and they have judgment on the way. And they're like, you're a loser. You don't understand what's going on. We're not going to listen to you. Right? Well, I mean, they try to kick him out of the city. They're, they're, they do they're, everything. They're, like, they're, I mean, that's, it's getting yeah. really bad. I mean, because well, But you also think I have to think about Jeremiah's prophecies, which are like... No, they're rough. They're so aggressive. No, they're rough. He says the temple has become a den of robbers and thieves and murderers, and you guys. And he buries his underwear in the wall and (laughs) says, "This is what you guys have become. Uh, We used to be so close, but now you're rotten underwear." I mean, like that's like if somebody said that about you, anybody is like, like they they were like, "This is who you are to me," with like some rotten underwear. You'd be like, "It's weird that we can see the people's faces." Yeah, (laughs) they're they're all like, "Oh, (laughs) this got real." Then in chapter 26 through 36, so the middle part of the book, there's basically two stories, two collections of narratives. So the first chunk is just warnings, which basically takes place in this conversation between Jeremiah and God. He's like, tell the people this. And he's like, okay. He's like, tell the people this. And it's it's the back and forth. And then there's a series of narratives in 26 through 36, which um, basically are about what happens and what happens next, right? So the punishment and the restoration. So the middle part of the book is basically everything that Jeremiah predicted was going to happen happens and it gets wiped out. And then in the last part of the book, there's 37 through 45, um, basically shows all of the things taking place. All, everything is sort of laid out and everything is destroyed. So where we get it, we, we're in this kind of nice section of narratives where it's actually storytelling. And in chapter 30 through 33, there, there's basically an inclusio. It's kind of a chiasm, right? That Jeremiah in 30, chapter 30 or so, tells all the ways that Jerusalem is going to be torn apart and ripped to pieces and cut down. And then in chapter 33, it's all about the ways it's going to be rebuilt and resurrected and come back to life. 
So whenever you're trying to conceive of a, uh, a, a chiasm, think about a, a, a rock being dropped in a pond. You have a central idea and there's waves and the first wave relates to the last, like the outer ring has relationships, but it's linear. So if you were to take a-, a, a, a um, Ruler. Uh, yeah, Shoe ruler. Shoe, a, shoehorn. If you were to ski pole, <laughs> do a diameter through the thing, then you say the first relates to the last, the second huh. to the third, and then there's a central idea. So it's a uh, and so so if so the first is saying everything's going to be dis dis destructed, and then the second one's going to be rebuilt. So I've it's, always heard the sandwich analogy. Oh yeah, a sandwich is you got good bread too. and sandwiches something. Oh, that's very good. And a hamburger is a sandwich for those of you who are wondering. A hamwich. Um, but right before what we get in chapter 32, here's what I want to talk about. And here's, I think, where it kind of comes into play. Chapter 32 is this very strange little story in which basically Jerusalem, the, the Babylonians are battering down the doors. They're camped out. They're literally around the borders. All the villages are starting to burn. Everything is going down. Everything that he foretold was going to happen is now beginning to happen. Okay. And God tells Jeremiah, you know this story. He says, go out and I want you to buy some real estate. Go make a land purchase, and I want you to go to this field of Amoth, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, and I want you to buy some property, which, if you think about it economically, when the city's being obliterated, it's a great time to get a good deal on real estate, Hey, which, which <laughs> is kind of this funny story, but so in the midst of all of the utter tragedy and all these things going on, God says, hey, go and buy some real estate. Go and buy this field. And he does actually get a pretty killer deal on it. He gets it for 17 shekels, which is 17 bucks. <laughs> hey, man. So, you know, it's a good investment. But, <laughs> but basically what he's told to do is go buy this field, which looks like complete absurdity. It, it's kind of funny the way that the whole book works because Jeremiah spent the whole first part of the book telling the people all of these things that the people thought were absurd. You're going to be punished. You're going to be obliterated. All these things are going to happen. You're far from God. Punishment is coming. It's going to get bad. And they're like, you're a fool. What are you talking about? You don't even see reality. You don't know what's going on. Mm. And then here, all of that is coming true. And the city is burning. And God says, okay, now go and buy some real estate. And again, the people are like, you're a fool. What's wrong with you? This is not a time to buy real estate. Everything's crumbling. It's all being destroyed. And you're buying it? You know, buy low, and that's what I always say. <laughs> well, yeah, but he, you ain't buying low. No, but he buys this piece of real estate, and he's told by God to basically put it in a jar as a as an investment for later. It's this promise that basically says... Put it in says, a jar? Put it in a jar. The land? No, the deed, sorry. The, oh, the deed to the like, land, the land title. I was, like, I was like, put some dirt in a jar. This <laughs> no. is a promise for the future. But is this promise that I'm buying this with the understanding, with the hope that we will be back. Uh, this land will eventually bear fruit. This is not this lost, hopeless thing. You know, I'm not buying the Brooklyn Bridge, as that old joke used to be, right? Mm. He's actually buying something that will come. This, this, this investment will bear profit later on. And so it's this sort of promissory note that even though God is allowing this punishment to take place and this destruction to take place, it's going to come back. And I have so much confidence and so much faith that God is going to be faithful to what he's promised. I'm actually going to start buying land in the most absurd time, seemingly absurd time imaginable. So that's actually what happens right before this. And after he does that and he takes the deed and he puts it in a jar, that's when God steps in and says, hey, the days are coming says the Lord that I'm going to fulfill the promise that I made to the house of Israel and Judah, that they're going to be a great kingdom and a great nation of priests and prophets. And what your little land title says is that that promise is going to be fulfilled. That's the promissory note of what I have promised to have happen. And he says, in those days, in that time, I will raise up for David a just shoot. He shall do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah shall be safe. Jerusalem will dwell secure. And this is what they shall call her, the Lord our justice. 
times are good because this is a huge principle of the Old Testament, which can be really dark and really full of doom and gloom a lot of the time, especially the prophets, is that God only punishes for the sake of restoration. I mean, any good parent shouldn't punish their child just because they're ticked off. You should punish your child because you're trying to teach them something because you want them to be a better person or learn something or actually bear fruit in their life. You know what I mean? If, if I mean, I think that that's actually one of, like, parents in their great regrets are when they punish out of anger, out of anger and yeah. out, of, out of passion rather yeah. than out of... Uh, desire for for restoration. I mean, that's the same thing with our penal system. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's that's what that's what this that's what the principle here is based on. And what's interesting here, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, this is a story, or, or what we're getting this week is at the very end of a story about a city being destroyed. It's the end of the story of the city of Jerusalem, the kingdom of David, all of these things that we had held so dear being obliterated. But then the forward-looking prophetic notion that God's going to rebuild. He is going to be, even though it seems dark, he is going to be faithful. And what it says here, smack in the middle of this passage from Jeremiah 33, he says, I will raise up for David a just shoot, right? And this is one of these tiny little things that's beginning to prepare us for Christmas because we talk about, you know, the shoot that will come forth from, well, do you remember? The stump of Jesse. And Isaiah that's actually, 11, yeah. That's exactly what Jeremiah doesn't include. He says a shoot will come, but he doesn't say where the shoot is coming from. Isaiah tells you what the shoot is from. A just shoot, yeah. From where, though? You said it. For David. But from where? For David. (laughs) No, no, from the stump stump of Jesse. From the stump. And I think that's what's most important. And that's what Jeremiah doesn't say explicitly. Isaiah does. What is the stump? What What does a stump imply? Felling. Yeah, something's been felled. Something's been cut down. So what has been cut down? Israel. Israel. In this case, Jerusalem specifically, the kingdom of David, all of these things, they've been cut down. And out of that cut down city and nation and people and this, this punishment that is just punishment that has come, out of that stump that is sitting there as a sign of judgment, new life is actually going to begin to bloom. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm like looking at this, and and for some reason, all of these readings, as as I'm actually trying to understand them, it almost feels like this these kind of. It's like after the processing of the difficult emotion, um, like uh, the subtext of all of the readings that I think we have are like. Hey, the days are coming when I'm going to fulfill the promise. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been waiting for a promise um, when when you're like, when is this going to come? When mm. when is healing going to come? When right. am I going to be restored? Yeah. When am I going to actually get my due? Do you know? I mean, mm. like the feelings of that are so painful. Yeah. Um, and so it's like I, I read this and it's like the Lord, our justice is here's the Lord. And he's talking like, like we're going to call the Lord our justice. What happens when you don't have justice? I mean, we get that with, with um, the the woman who goes to the unjust judge and just keeps pounding him saying, give me justice, give me justice. Mm. And, and for her persistence, it's, it's like this, the, there's an anger, there's a, there's a struggle. And so it's like, I hear in the midst of all of this, like people have this anger about a, a promise. It's not yet being fulfilled. And so they're, they're longing for this. And so, and w- what happens is, is in those days, Judah shall be safe and Jerusalem will dwell secure. So what do they feel like? Insecure, insecure and, and unsafe, unsafe with no justice and no n- nothing. So it's like, I'm reading all of the, this context of, yeah. Of like, it's it, it's um 
it, it's in direct contrast. It's like uh, between Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, which we just celebrated in the first Sunday of Advent, which is saying like, oh, there's going to come a time when the just judge of all things will come back and we're going to understand that the King is in charge. He's going to be safe, secure, and dwelling. And now almost we're, we're hitting the reset button of saying like, oh, oh yeah, hold on. I, 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 like, I still look for that. I'm in this in-between time of anticipation and waiting. I, mm -hmm. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing the felling again. I'm letting myself enter into the emotional capacity to say like, no, the promise of God isn't yet fulfilled. And I actually have to wait for that. And, and it's going to be a struggle and I'm going to, I'm going to struggle because I'm going to mix up the message between the messenger. Everybody's going after Jeremiah and when in reality, you no, know, Jeremiah, he's just, he, he just got a, he has a bum job, man. He's got a bum job. And everybody's yeah. getting angry at him and they're like, yeah. let's string him up, man. And when in fact, like, no, no, the Lord is actually mm. saying, I'm going to prepare a, a, a way, but we have this big cycle that takes a, and a full year for us to understand. And that's why we're, we're kind of starting again at this, this response. Well, there's also this weird balance that we, we again, experience of waiting for something to come, waiting for what we perceive to be God's justice to show up, but also living and recognizing that the reality is still God's justice. Right. Even if it doesn't feel like it or look like it. One of the, one of the most difficult things is mm. right around this passage that Jeremiah says to the people, and he says this, it's crystal clear in the book of Jeremiah. He says, look, the reason Babylon is coming, I mean, there, there's this whole backstory behind this where, you know, once Assyria, the, the nation of Assyria, which destroyed the northern kingdom, which tried to destroy Jerusalem, you know, they're, they're beginning to decline politically. And there was this moment historically where Egypt and Babylon were basically both vying for world supremacy. They're like, all right, the Assyrian Empire, they're going down, they're losing um, clout. So we're going to vie to see who's going to be world supreme empire. And Israel constantly keeps saying, well, you know, we didn't like getting beat up by Assyria. We didn't like being oppressed. So we better, we better get an insurance policy and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll support uh, Egypt. We'll ask Egypt for help. We'll keep going to Egypt for our assistance. Egypt will be our help. Egypt will be our salvation. Egypt will be our source of military and economic and political power. Then we'll be safe. As long as we put all of our stock in that, then we'll be okay. And God is constantly saying, no, don't, that's not where to put your hope. And Babylon, of course, is the victor over Egypt. And Babylon's not too happy that they put all of their political stock in the wrong empire. So they're seen as traitors and treasonous, which is why Babylon comes in and obliterates them. So there's a political reality. But then there's the spiritual reality of God saying, hey, I asked you to trust me. I didn't ask you to trust the political power. I didn't ask you to trust your economics. I didn't ask you to trust in the, the, this trade negotiation with Egypt. I asked you to trust me. And now you're bearing the fruit. And so what Jeremiah says is that because you've made Egypt your God, essentially, because you've made all of these things that are not God, God, the punishment that you receive will be just. And there's justice coming in it. And what he says to them is that what you need to do now is not fight back. Mm. You need to put your heads down and you need to take the punishment. Egypt or Babylon will roll over you. They're going to haul you off into slavery and you need to let it happen. And if you allow this punishment to simply take place, I will bring you out of it and you will be safe. But you need to trust me now in a way that you've never trusted me before. And what's amazing about that, last, last note, Jeremiah had a scribe. He had a, kind of his right-hand man. Do you remember who his scribe was? Uh, uh, no. Baruch. 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 And it was Baruch who actually held the deed to that uh, piece oh. of land. But Baruch actually has a book right after Jeremiah. And it's actually one of the most amazing books in the Bible because it's the first time in the story of salvation history where the people look back and they say, 
oh, we get it now. Mm. We get why we were punished. We get why all these things took place. We yep. see what God and what Jeremiah were saying. Yeah. Oh, God was just then. He's going to be just again. He's just now, and he's just in the future. God simply is just, and we see that now. Yeah, which I think is a good lead-in to the psalm. Yep. Um, it's, uh, but I actually don't like where they start the psalm. I feel like um, mm. the, the, the editing and what we, get, what we get the, the, in the psalm is the fact that like they edit out all the emotion of it and they just mm. make it intellectual. So it's like, where do we get? It says, your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Okay, like give me some <laughs> sort of intellectual experience of what I'm supposed to do. Oh. You know, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth and teach me. It's like truth mm. and teach, teaching and truth and stuff. This line right before this says this, it says, Oh God, in you I trust, let me not be put to shame. Mm. Let my enemies not exult over me. Yes, let none that wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. So it's like, it's this I like love a- wantons. Yeah, wantons are good. <laughs> it's getting a little heavy there. <laughs> you know, it's like, so, so it's like, I, I look at that and I'm like, oh no, that's how I'm feeling in the midst of waiting. It's like, mm. it's like, Lord, I'm, I'm like out here and going like, Okay, I, I'm waiting. No. Hi. Like, like, no. what does waiting feel? Waiting feels like waiting. It's, it's like, the worst. And, and then you're like, but, and then you're like, am I an idiot? <laughs> am, am I waiting for something that's actually like not coming? And while the mm. meanwhile, everybody else is celebrating and they're putting on a good time to going out to the bars. It's kind of like Advent. Oh. When as Christians, you know, this is what's lost in our culture. And I yes. used to be much more militaristic about this than I am now. I've Me softened too. greatly. Yeah. But, Time you know, will do that to you Ad and children. And children. <laughs> Advent is and a penitential season. It's like a Lent leading up to Christmas. And then by the time we get to Christmas, everyone's sick of Christmas because we've been celebrating Christmas since Halloween, which is a bummer. Because and then, But it leaves us in this position that those of us who are trying to be faithful to the liturgical calendar... We're waiting and we're preparing and it's, there, there's a, we're not blowing out all the, you know, we're exactly, it's exactly what you said. You, now we actually have to pay attention because the germ, the general instruction for the Roman Missal. Isn't it the germ? Germ. Is it pronounced germ? G-I-R-M. I know, but I thought it was pronounced germ. Grim? This is great. You're lear I'm learning things. General re restructuction for the... In I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed I, I, to call it. It's an acronym. Sorry. But this is what I know is that, um, is that it actually says that in the East, it's actually celebrated much more as a penitential season. Yeah. But we don't yeah. celebrate it as a penitential no, it, season the same way. It's so not in the same way as So, so yeah. our, our, actually, our liturgical tradition mm -hmm. doesn't actually say it the same way, but it, but it has... It's still a, a waiting period. It, it is a waiting period yeah. in a different has a different character in the midst of it. And that's actually... I I don't think we figured that out liturgically in this age. Yeah, no, we haven't. We, we don't actually know how to celebrate it because civically, I mean, it's like really since Halloween. So yeah. what does it look like to wait? That was pretty good. Okay. I can't wait any longer. <laughs> that makes it feel super awkward. Um, uh, time out for station identification. Out. Station identification. Thank you all for your support in this day of giving. You guys are just tremendous. Um, this Giving Tuesday, um, we really invite you to help us to uh, support the great work that we're doing and the thousands upon thousands of people that our podcast has a chance to reach, not mm -hmm. only through the priests, but for you who listen. Um, if you are on Facebook and you're one of the 23 people who are watching live right now, um, I want to encourage you just like us. It'll help us to get to a further audience in the midst of this. 
And um, please tell us where you're from. Put it in the comments. Um, we'll give you guys some shout outs. And so we'll have some people. I can't really read it. It's too small it's for me. So you guys have to write it down and then we can say like, what's up? Um, if you'd like to support this ministry and helping form leaders for the new evangelization, uh, I invite you to please help us reach our goal of $21,000 that we're um, trying to uh, raise to support not only the ministry here at CU, but uh, the thousands upon thousands that we reach. Um, you can text to give by texting your donation amount to 720-513-7337. That's 720 720- Five one three seven nice three three seven. Um, and right now we have raised one thousand one hundred and thirty dollars. A lot of people can't tune in uh, live on Facebook, so um, uh, you'll have to like this afterwards when you are actually watching it on mm. Facebook. Uh, but those who are live, we love you, and it's so fun to actually be with you. It's a little weird to watch us. We have faces really made for radio, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> at least Scott does. So, Thank you. Uh, I, <laughs> oh, so in Lord, we in you, Lord, we put our trust. So and we, we do. So um, <laughs> this is fun. It, it's going to take oh us gosh. a little bit longer to to get through the podcast. No, we'll get through it. We'll, we'll get through we're it. We're there. All right. Yeah, yeah. Scott's there. I'm I'm just having fun. Two things, three things, quickly about Psalm 25. Yes. Is that where we are? Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Um, this this response that we get to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Um, I think it was Saint uh, Hippolytus in the third century actually put that into the liturgy in the Eucharistic prayers. I think it was in the East, and it's used in the West too in different forms. But we use a version of Psalm twenty five, which is basically where we say, "Lift up your hearts to the Lord." Or what? What, what do we say? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. No, but in the Mass. To you, O Lord, lift I lift up, up your my hearts. Soul. We lift them up to the oh. Lord. I think it's oh, yeah, based oh, on this the, 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 for the preface dialogue. Yeah, yeah, it's based on this. But in Latin, let's see. I, I just got a kick out of this. So, lift up your hearts. It becomes an imperative once you change it grammatically. Once we put it liturgically. So instead of we lift our hearts up, it's an imperative. Lift up your hearts, and especially for those of you in like situations like Jeremiah, where everybody's out to get you and everything seems against you and the world is crumbling around you. Lift up your hearts. Because then you'll see God's justice. But I got a kick out of the, the translation in the original Latin is, uh, is sursum corda. And I know we have some Latin scholars in the back. Sursum corda, which means literally hearts up. Which hearts I just up. got such a kick out of. Like that's the imperative in the Latin <laughs> lectionary. Hearts, hearts up. up, you guys. Which is a great imperative for again, Dude, people who are suffering. I kind of like that as a, as, a, as a t-shirt. Hearts up. Hearts up. Psalm 25. It's also, did you know that Psalm 25 is in the acrostic style? Um, I did not know that it could burn you. <laughs> what, am I, what word am I missing? Caustic. It a, means burning? A, 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 yeah, if something's mm. caustic, it's like a chemical that would burn you and give you oh bad boy, things. But acro- like it's happening to Jerusalem at this yeah, point. Yeah, an acrostic, though, is something that begins with A and goes through Z. And so and then yeah. it just goes through the, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which is not A through Z. No, it's, it's a left through Tau, right? But, but what it's tau? doing... Tau? No, not Tau. Tau is not Tau's Greek, bro. Aleph, Bet, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Het. Oh, no, you threw me off. Oh, yeah, yeah, come on. Sing the song. No. Sing the song for no, me. You sing your sing. Hebrew. I will not sing. Look, there's hearts now. <laughs> um, <laughs> come on. They love, what, what they this love means, it though, when we do that. Do they? <laughs> they pity us. So, <laughs> uh, they, uh, what it's doing, though, is in the true. Hebrew, every, like you said, every line is a corresponding letter in the alphabet but what it what it's saying is basically as the psalm is telling us to lift our hearts up to the lord it's saying the fact that it's saying 
it's putting it in the context of it, it's like saying um, in every situation from A to Z, like yeah. from from coast to coast. That that's that kind of from from LF to uh, I can't think of the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet now, which is embarrassing. And Neil's not going to like this eating on the podcast. Um, but it, but it's 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 showing the universality of this imperative that at all times in all places from A to Z always lift up your hearts. And the only other thing I just wanted to mention about that because you mentioned idiocy a second ago. <laughs> you talked about like, am I just an idiot for, oh. for waiting? Then no, you're not an idiot for waiting, but Thanks. there's a better translation of, it's actually a line that's not in our reading. It's, it's verse seven, which we skip right over, which actually says, remember, O Lord, not the stupidity of my youth, which I just think is funny. Is that it's literally a prayer not to remember, for God not to remember our stupidity. Which, if you put this in the context, which of, is all of us, which is all of us, you but, guys have all been stupid youths. <laughs> but the wisdom of the church—I mean, putting Scott us, alone. Sorry, Thank sorry, you, I didn't mean to accuse you all. You guys no, were all very cool. smart they're, and wise. They're, they're all laughing right now. Uh, you guys can't they're see They're being it polite. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, specifically in Jeremiah's time, I mean, you have. I, I, so one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite books, I actually pulled some, people always ask us what books we use. I'm trying to pull it out without pulling my headphones out. Um, this is one of those books you should not judge by the cover of. Um, it's a terrible cover. It's called Run With the Horses, and it's by a guy named Eugene Peterson. Oh, you love that. I love Eugene Peterson. He, he wrote The Way, which is a paraphrase of the Bible, and paraphrases, you can take them or leave them. But he is just a brilliant, he's not a Catholic, he's a Protestant, but he has... <laughs> He has some brilliant help you. theological, just not theological, but pastoral insights. And I just think it's amazing. This, this is a book about Jeremiah. Um, again, this is a terrible cover. It's from like 1977 or whatever. But um, he talks about this whole chapter as an exercise in practicality. And he says, look, the, the Bible is fundamentally practical. And practicality is fundamentally biblical. But it often doesn't look like it. So mm. what Jeremiah is doing by buying that plot of land is practical because it is what God has asked him to do and is the most logical thing to do because of who God is and what God is going to do. To humanize, it seems stupid and foolish and idiotic, right? So does calling the people out for their false worship and their idolatry and their political alliances and making a god out of their military and their finances and everything else. It seems foolish, but it is imminently practical. And so sometimes to be practical and to be sensible is to gain the ire of the whole world mm. and for everyone to think that you're stupid. But the idea is Jeremiah is writing through this time that eventually the people will look back and be like, oh man, we really were stupid. Jeremiah was the smart one. He knew what was going on and he didn't follow any of the whims of the culture. He was smart. We were stupid. Lord, forgive us for the stupidity of our youth. And, and that's in Jeremiah's time. And like you said, we all have the ways in which this applies. Mm. But I love the way in which it kind of plays into the story of Jeremiah. One other book that you probably dropped. No, it's here. Um, another book I love. It's a guy named Abraham Heschel. Who's, um, he, he died um, not too long ago, a couple decades ago. But he was a Jewish rabbi. Um, big in the civil rights movement. But he's brilliant writings. And he wrote this about this point in the, the, the story of Jeremiah. The Jerusalem that man was busy destroying, God was actually rebuilding. So as Jerusalem is being destroyed in the time of Jeremiah, God is actively in the process of rebuilding it. Mm. Which I just thought was beautiful. Which is beautiful because um, like, at one time, it, the only place really to go to be holy was Jerusalem. Right. And now you can go to like Finksburg, Maryland and go and hang out with Bob or Joseph in Emmaus, Israel. I mean, Alana is also in 
happy California with Laura. You keep going back Tim. to <laughs> And Happy Tim in Indiana in Brentwood, California. Susan in Austin, Texas. Christy in Houston, Texas. Lots of Texas. California and Texas, you guys are kind of... You're showing up. You're showing up for us. Which is today. what we like. You guys, which is, that speaks of us. Uh, okay, does. and then, so Susan and Christy in Houston, Texas. Nathan in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania. Linda in Michigan. And Hannah in Drogos. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, like that's that's the thing is that you can be holy anywhere, and that, like, and and that the reconstruction of Jerusalem actually is taking place in all those places here right now. Yeah, but it's not the Jerusalem we thought it was. No, which is the whole kind of theme. But what, what you just said that this sometimes the second reading is the wild card that it's hard to find a good application. But actually, what you just said, the way you tied that back in, so a reading from First Thessalonians. My phone is ringing. It's the podcast listeners. <laughs> they were about to comment on First Thessalonians. It's, my phone is on silent, just so everyone who's judging me right can now, you, my phone is hear, on silent, but it that? comes through my computer. That's the thing. Did you guys hear that? Okay. Everybody heard it. Everybody knows. We're oh, live. There's I just couldn't no tell back. if it was. Okay, no, let's keep going. <laughs> um, First Thessalonians, though. Silence your though. cell phones. Silence, <laughs> cell silence your cell phones. First Thessalonians, though, um, one of the things I like about it, it's not the most complex theological book. I love Paul's letters. Okay. It's probably one of the least complicated theologically because Paul's not yelling at the Thessalonians. It's one of the only <laughs> books where he's not scolding someone oh. for being an idiot. You know oh. what I mean? Which he usually is. He's simply writing. It, that's, it's, like, that's like our parish. <laughs> not which Scol way? We're, which we're not scholding people. Ah, yes. We're the yeah, only we're, parish who's no, not scolding. No, there's the lots of parishes that do, don't just, do that. We're just know. kidding, everyone. I don't even know what I'm saying. I do. Okay. And it's good. It's all it's fruitful all good. and fruitful. just. But I like it because it's Paul, again, it's less theological and it's more pastoral. And he's writing to this group of Christians who are pretty fresh new Christians who are being persecuted. We know there's a time of persecution. We know people are dying. People don't know what to do with it. They're like, wait, what, what is going on? I thought we were following this Jesus, but now our, fam our family and friends are dying for it. But wait, what happens when we die? We thought we just, you know, went into the ground, but you're saying our bodies are resurrected. Wait, what now? Yeah. And it's basically Paul saying, look, all you need to worry about right now is being holy in everything. Again, going back to the Psalm, from A to Z, let your holiness come and permeate every aspect of your life. And, and what Thessalonians does more than any of the other letters of Paul is talk about the end times. Because these are a group of people that are facing what very well might be the end for them. We are getting beat up. We are getting killed. People are dying. What do we do? And so Paul has constantly got his mind on the second coming of Jesus. He could come at any minute. He could come at any day. He's going to parousia. He's coming as king, and you will see him in all of his glory, and it could happen at any second, which is what means, which is what, why you need to um, be holy. But he's focusing it well, on this idea of the end, which is really important because all of these readings, because it's the, where we are in the liturgical year, they're all about the end. Well, yeah. And so Paul's saying, never lose sight of that concept. Well, because it's the beginning and the end. It's it's saying that at the beginnings, we're not actually... Uh, the new year is the beginning of the end. We are in the time. We are in the end times now. Yeah. We're actually, we are, um, we have become and are not yet at the mm. end. Mm -hmm. And so, so how, what that waiting looks like, we enter into that in an existential capacity, which is, which is like the, the frustration of all Christians yeah. is, is 
why do others seem to prosper while we ourselves suffer? And so in the midst of this, we're actually meant in the deepest way. He says, may the Lord increase you and abound in agape for one another and for all in brotherly fraternal love, which is, which is to say, um, it says, um, you should conduct yourselves. Actually what we, we were in the midst of it. It's like, don't be immoral. Don't use each other. Yeah. Be filled with a profound love for one another. Don't don't just say that the object of the people in front of people are objects and they're meant to actually satisfy me and fulfill me. Mm. Rather, actually, I'm supposed to say, like, look, this is my family. Yeah. And that's actually how we're meant to be conducting ourselves in these in these last times. Which and is so it? it says you should conduct yourselves to please God. Yeah. And and you are to do so even more. So when you actually have learned how to love one another, do it more. Go deeper because we have the beginning now. And that's actually what Advent is. And we, we have that instilled in our culture. Mm. What do we do? We have Advent mm. parties. We get together and we, we call them Christmas parties, but really they're Advent parties. We get together before we go and then we get back together with our families and we remind ourselves, what does family look like? We actually have these moments, these little um, bursts of love that bursts. are really in, in, intentional. And so so in one way, our culture does have it right to be with each other during oh, Christmas. Oh, totally. But we just don't call it the right thing. I think the big problem with, the, with this season is not that... I, I mean, again, I've softened on it's not a penitential season. It's a season of waiting. But I think the biggest problem is just the fruit of it is that once you get to Christmas Day, everybody's done. Right. And everyone's ready to take down the tree by 4 p.m. on Christmas Day. And you're like, I'm through. And we're like, it's literally starting now. Right. This is day one. And we're all done with it. We're sick of it. It's like <laughs> anticipating somebody's birthday for a long time. And that's finally your birthday. And everyone's like, ah, I'm pretty tired. I'm not going to I'm not going to bother with it. Which is, that's, it's, it's the tragedy. It's not that this sort of um, angry, we should be more penitential, but it's just the, we're missing out on all the good stuff, right? Mm. It'd be like Jeremiah coming back to the land and be like, ah, oh, yeah, I threw away that deed I had to that property. Oh, well, I guess, who cares? Mm. No, I mean, this is what we're waiting for. It, you, you put it aside for the time of fulfillment. And everything you just said with regard to Thessalonians, I think is a great segue into our last reading, which is our gospel which is talking about two things simultaneously. It's talking about the end, but I think what's unclear, at least on the surface, is what Jesus is talking about the end of. And just like Jeremiah, we can't make sense out of what, sa what Jesus says here without he, a little bit of context. He's talking bit. about the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just did you just get a text? No, I didn't. No, please <laughs> stop. Please end the this. Oh, <laughs> my this gosh. Is too long. This is they horrible. Did, they did not text me to say that. They oh. said, we could listen to you forever. I lied. They didn't say that. Um, was it Gage? Was it Gage? <laughs> Gage is standing there, like looking at listening us. to us forever. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Luke twenty one, um, Luke twenty one challenge. I, I feel. Oh like my gosh, that's why they called it that. Oh I'm my goodness. Kidding. Which, which, if you guys would like to support this ministry, please mm. do. We are so thankful. Um, if you guys are like on a break, like Katie, who you just texted me, um, uh, you can uh, you can um, uh, look at some of the instructions. We are at three thousand four hundred and sixty dollars for Ooh. your donations. You guys are absolutely Woot. wonderful. I feel like I'm on, I feel like I'm on like public radio right now. 
You guys, you, you guys have you know how like they have like the the drives. I kind of like, like it. If you'd like to enjoy more driveway moments with Father Peter and Scott, driveway, please support your local NPR. And <laughs> that's how they all talk in him. It was my NPR voice. That was a good NPR voice. Whatever you don't listen to. I it was enough. just trying to. I, I was just trying to figure out. I only listen driveway to moments. It's a thing they talk about in NPR. Oh, they when do. You're like listening to a story. Oh, and, and it's still and playing, and you stay in your driveway even be, though you're home. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing. It's a thing they have. Yeah. So the, we'll I listen to a lot of NPR. Water cooler <laughs> moments. So you're at your water cooler. You're watching Link guys live on a break at, at work. You know, everyone is gathered around the phone, <laughs> gathered around the phone, yeah. warming themselves, warming on, themselves at the charger. And if you want to, if you want to text, if you want to, um, if you would like to give, if you would like to donate over text, that number one more time. It's seven two zero five one three seven three three seven. One more time, seven two zero five one three seven three three seven. Or you can go to thomascenter.org slash Luke21challenge. And we're back. Okay. So <laughs> the context for Luke 21, this is what seems like, and, and all three of the Synoptic Gospels have a version of this. Yeah. I mean, we just had this in Mark. We just had, like, because yep, we, we had Mark 13. It, it feels like, it's, it feels like the end of the world. <laughs> it's... <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. That was you didn't find that funny, but that's okay. No, Kate is I, judging you, <laughs> not just in her heart, but outwardly. Like outwardly, yeah, like this is judging. Usually, up. I don't experience the judgment of people in such a direct capacity. But well, that's I guess okay. Is what I, we I'm do when you, we live, but. like ooh, yeah, Father, that way. But actually, no, I do. Actually, that's my homiletic life. It's being they, judged. Yeah, but they look at you like ha 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 oh. ha, and then they're just like. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody come up to you after mass? I'm like, Father Peter, there's this great podcast that you should listen to. Maybe you can get some ideas. <laughs> I wish. I feel like St. Francis. You know, St. Francis's dream was that he would show up to one of his monasteries and then they would kick him out because they, they're like, get out of here, you homeless bum. And like, and he's like, that would be perfect joy. Someday you will have I, that. I will have somebody come up to me and be like, there's this really good podcast. It's got lots you of great really ideas. You should listen to it. You should listen this. To lay this. person is really smart. <laughs> best there's some priest too <laughs> yeah we all right don't. anyway so <laughs> but he can never get into words why are we me no me <laughs> all right this is what's often called the eschatological discourse is that where we get the word scatological do i knew you were gonna go there um so the eschatological discourse we, i can't edit that i know no, everyone's googling that word no they're not oh, no if you can google that word that's okay <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. The esca- es- You just pointed it out. I just was moving I know, on because I'm a seventh grader at heart. Okay. All right. Um, in case you don't know what that word means, <laughs> the end of the world. So what it sounds like. So what where we pick it up, which is it's unfortunate that we just are thrown into it because it means it's not unfortunate, but it means we need to do a little bit more work, right? Because right. we're thrown in, and Jesus says to his disciples, "There will be signs in the sun." Uh, the moon and the stars and the nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright, anticipation of what's coming. For the powers of heaven will be shaken when they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great, with power and great glory. And when these signs begin to happen, stand erect, raise your hands because your redemption is at hand. It sure sounds like he's talking about the end of the world, but what we don't, because, you know, he's talking about the moon and the stars will turn dark and things will fall and there'll be earthquakes and wars and nations rising up and all this stuff. And we're like, oh, it's about the end of the world, which in part, yes. But what is forgotten is that Jesus is not just saying this freely. Jesus is answering a question that his disciples asked him. This is a direct answer to a direct question. The question was this. It was uh, just a line or two before. 
they say, it's, they were in the temple, right? This is just after Jesus had been going back and forth with the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders. They've been calling him out. It's been the, the, whole, the whole of Holy Week, right? Is they've been testing him and prodding him. Um, we just left that scene where the widow, remember, put her two copper coins in the Bing. temple treasury, and he said that she's given more than anybody else has. It's that context. So they're walking around, and it says some of the some of the people spoke about the temple and how beautiful it was, and it was adorned in stones. And they're like, Gee, I mean, I, I like picturing the scene. They're like, Jesus, man, look at the temple. It's so beautiful, isn't it? And he's like, all of this will be destroyed. And it's like, geez, <laughs> we just came on a little field trip to the temple, and you're a downer. <laughs> I mean, they probably don't get out that much. And they're like, ooh, it's the big city. Jesus, look at the buildings. And he's like, oh, I want to be destroyed. <laughs> so they're just like, isn't it pretty? And then he's cursing fig trees. He's well, he like, already did that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, this is the thing. Look at the fig tree. <laughs> it will be destroyed. He's, he's, no. like, he's like, where is your fruit, fig? And it's like, it's not even in season. And then he just, ah, think Forever you will never bear fruit again, fig, and which is a sign of actually what the temple is. Which is which is important because the the disciples don't actually freak out. So they say, "Hey, look at how pretty this is." He says, literally, "As for these things that you're seeing, all this beauty, beauty, the days will come where there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. The whole temple will be destroyed." Right, and then. They ask him. Now, in, in Luke, it's just immediate. In Matthew, they actually take a walk. They cross the Kidron Valley, and they sit down on the Mount of Olives, which is just across, yeah, it's just across from Jerusalem. So they're overlooking it. And it says, they sat down, and the disciples said, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign about when it is about to take place? In Matthew, his version adds, what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? Jesus just said, hey, this temple that you guys think is so beautiful, it's going to be obliterated. Not one stone left upon another. The disciples hear him and say, okay, we're hearing what you're saying. When is this going to happen? When will the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming? Is what Matthew says. They're not like, Jesus, you're a whack job. They're, they're not saying that. They're saying, we understand that you're talking about the destruction of the temple because it's happened before. We've seen this. It happened in the time of Jeremiah. We heard your words, Jesus. We heard you. Jesus literally quotes Jeremiah when he's at the temple. He says, you religious leaders have made this place a den of robbers and thieves. That's what Jeremiah says. So the idea that it will be destroyed is not completely surprising based on what Jesus just said. The disciples are tracking with salvation history, maybe for the first time. They're like, we get it, right? And then he answers, well, take heed that you won't be led astray. You know, many will come in my name. Nation will rise against nation. The moon, the stars, the clouds, the sun, it will turn dark. It will fall from the sky. Earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars. That's when he goes off on what sure sounds like end of the world talk. But he's answering a very specific question, which was, when will the temple be destroyed, Jesus? And what will be the signs that we know? And he says, well, it's going to look like the stars are falling from the sky and the moon is turning dark and the sun will not give its light and earthquake and wars and rumors of wars. Basically saying when the world is being turned upside down, this is what's called apocalyptic language. And it's used elsewhere in the Bible to describe the fall of nations. So there's a, at least three times I can think of off the top of my head where the Bible uses terms like, you know, the stars will fall from the sky, the moon will turn dark, the sun will not give its light. Basically saying when this empire, be it Babylon or Egypt or maybe Pharaoh, when it gets upended or, or lifted away from power, it's going to be like your world is getting flipped upside down. And Jesus says this is going to happen. This temple that everyone has put all of their faith in is actually made into a, sort of an idol 
which is what he said pre in the previous chapters they've done. Not that the temple is objectively bad, the temple is good, but you have made it into a den of robbers and thieves. You've made it something other than what it was meant to be. And because of that, that temple will be wiped away. Well, yeah, this is the, this is the, how intense is this? To be able to say, your whole idea of what is supposed to be is going to be changed. I mean, like, because okay. you say, what am I waiting for? Yeah. I mean, we're in a period of waiting. We're looking and we're trying to figure out how do we get through what we're going to get through. Like, you mean the podcast? <laughs> how are we going to get through this podcast? Yeah, I don't know. Like, how am I going to get through the stuff that's going on in my life? How yeah. am I going to get the, the, the disciples um, are they're saying, how are we going to get through the tension that I'm feeling between you, Jesus, and the scribes and Pharisees? How are we going to get through this? How do I see what's going on within the temple and what you're actually claiming? How are we going to go through and see and anticipate what this new kingdom that's actually going to look like? Like, what are we even, what are we even going towards? Because I mean, this is like, and, and Jesus, it, it, this is so hard. It says, this is going to be a sprout from the stump of Jesse in a, in a certain way. Yes. There's always a proximate fulfillment of a prophecy and a remote fulfillment of a prophecy because the destruction of the temple is going to be the full felling of Israel's like, what is, if there's any sort of identification with Israel, with anything, it's with the temple, the temple, the temple. And so what's happening is that, is that what are these signs? We're going to see the temple absolutely, utterly destroyed. Yeah. In fact, it's going to be the felling that we have been anticipating entirely. And, but out of this, we're going to actually see a stump uh, of Jesse going to, it's going to rise. So like right now, this is actually what's so hard about what our lives in, as Christians are, is that we experience, um, Felling in a real way, in a direct, actual moment in our lives, we go through and we are anticipating God is going to fulfill what's going on in my life, the, mm. the hopes and the dreams and the desires. And, and we're, 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 we're saying, oh, this is what it's going to look like. But then it, it, it even, even those hopes that we have that are so good and maybe even rightly oriented, those get felled mm. in, in, until actually we actually have to die and then rise again. I think that that's what brings people's um, desire to see that expressed in story form. Like, um, like uh, Harry Potter is actually a great example of that. Harry Potter, what do we anticipate? Harry's like this great kid. He's got all this prophecy and then uh, 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 that are uttered about him. And then he's going to take down the big bad guy. Well, in reality, spoiler alert, if you guys have never engaged it, he, he, that's giving you a chance to just tune out, <laughs> cover your ears, whatever. Okay. So like everyone stopped watching. That, yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. We just went down from 36 <laughs> to nothing. So uh, there we go. So no, you guys, no, we love these stories because it helps us to understand that even when we anticipate the, the overturning of those things that are binding us, um, we, there's still another level that you got to drop down. There's still another felling before the one rises up. That's why with Jesus, what happens is he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, my kingdom is not even here. You don't even understand what's about to take place. And he gets felled. I mean, we, we've, we're going into the incarnation and the end of the world is like, everything is going to be wrecked. Even the temple that Jesus is in his body is that's replacing the temple. Even that gets felled until the stump actually rises up. 
And this is the pattern that we're going to continue to live within our lives. This is what it feels like to be you. No, it's like, good. I got a lot of I like points. It. I, I got it. a lot of things to say. So I think that that's what Advent is, is it's saying like, okay, we still are meant to anticipate beautiful, powerful things to t- take place. But even in the midst of that, we're going to still have to die in that because the Lord is going to do even far greater things than that. The I'm not... Jesus is answering a question about the temple. Right. Clearly. However... I'm tempted, and I, I don't want to take this too far, because the temple, you're right, represents the Hebrew people. It is the embodiment. It is the symbol. It is the city on a hill. It, it Literally, it is all those things. But in a certain sense, it's almost a foil for what Jesus is doing. One of the major themes— Because is he's going to play it out within his own body, within the real, true temple. Well, and, and with all of this apocalyptic language that's being used to describe this event, you know, throughout the Old Testament, there is this foretelling of what's called the Day of the Lord, which right. is this big, ominous, huge, final day of judgment when all of Jerusalem, all of Israel will be judged and destroyed and all these things. And, and you mean, you know, the temple sort of embodies that to some degree— But the temple, yes, as much as it sort of symbolically embodies Israel, there is another who actually literally embodies Israel. Jesus. And Jesus, if if he is the king, and this is the Hebrew tradition, the king embodies his people. And if this day of the Lord, this day of judgment that the Old Testament warns us about says that Israel will be destroyed and cut down, Jesus is Israel. Yes, the temple is going to be destroyed, but the temple is going to be destroyed, number one, as a punishment, but number two, because it's obsolete. It's not the big image-laden representative of Israel anymore. It's simply obsolete. He says, you have made it into something that it was never meant to be. It is a dead fig tree now. The real temple is what you're looking at. And when this temple goes down, it's going to be like the moon loses its light and the stars fall from the sky and the world gets turned upside down because when Jesus is felled, it's not that the world is turned upside down. It's that the world is turned right side up. Because the sin and the chaos that entered into the world with the sin of Adam and Eve that flipped the world upside down, that the temple was merely a model and a shadow of the restoration of, the entire world that it represented is now being turned right side up. And we, unfortunately, this this is what nobody saw coming. Everybody knew, all the Jewish people understood that there would come a time when God would step into human history and set things right. What nobody understood was that he would do that in the person of Jesus. He would become incarnate. He would be felled like the tree. And then what happens? I mean, the shoot comes out of the ground. Where does Jesus come? He's buried in a garden for Pete's sake. He rises from a garden into new life. He is the shoot that's coming back up. But where we live right now is that the shoot has come out of the ground. The shoot has sprung. The tree is coming back to life, but we don't see the tree yet. All we see is the shoot. And we live now as Christians in this intermediary point when the world has been set back right, but the veil is still over our eyes and we can't see it for what it is yet. And so all of these readings are saying, you need to wait patiently because this is what Advent is. You know the end of the story. You know Jesus is coming. You know what's going to happen. You know evil has been defeated. You know death has been trampled down. You know that, 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 Satan, that, that death has no sting anymore. But it doesn't feel like it. And so you need to wait and you need to understand that God is just right now. Which is, God is faithful right now. And you will see all of it soon. That's what he's telling the Thessalonians. Well, and this is the thing that, that it's not just an intellectual exercise. Right. And, and that's the thing that I, like I would argue for, that we always have to make sure that though we study it and we look at it, that's actually the experience of the Christian within the world. 
yes. to this yeah. day. Yeah, and absolutely. That, that's never actually going to be different. You Until look the, the second coming. You look at the stories of the saints and it's continually but this, it will be this different. moment until finally it will be revealed right. fully and we'll say, ah, oh, then we'll, shar, we'll, we'll dart like sparks and stubble. <laughs> and we'll I can't wait to like dart the, like a spark and a stubble. I mean, I'm going to dart like a spark, dude. That's going to be <laughs> the thing, man. That's going to be like my basketball game, dude. Um, <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for your support. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was just putting my arm Victory! Over here. Victory! He, 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 we, that was <laughs> so, you, Paul. That was really bizarre. I we, 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 we've never done down. that. I didn't so mean that's to. Like, um, you guys, thank you so much for... Um, we have raised today so far uh, $3,561. And it's only 1130. And it's only we 1130. We have plenty of time. Yeah. No, we do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all day. Like, yeah, yeah. People, I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> I was like, I was like, we can't do any. I can't do any more. Oh no, no, no. Man. We don't podcast all I day. Can't, like this is. The, I'm tired. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is beautiful. So, um, friends, you know what's so cool is that um, we really build up leaders here for the new evangelization. The seed of the church is taking place right now, and mm. those who hear the word of God and who respond to it. Uh, I mean, and, and I'm I'm constantly struck. I've been doing the campus ministry here uh, for 12 years. Scott, how long have you been here with me? Four or five, something Seven like that. Like I mean, that. I've been a parishioner here six years, yeah, before that, forever. But. So you've been here with me forever. Oh, I've been around. Yeah, but this is the thing that is, it is so powerful is that I'm I'm even watching right now. Uh, students who have been, had a chance to be with us start to become leaders um, mm. in powerful apostolates, mm. leaders in their families, leaders in culture, leaders in business. Um, it's really one of those, it's just powerful. Yeah. And, and leaders who are not uh, in an illusion about what the Christian life really looks like. No illusion. No illusion. And, no. and they're doing it in a powerful and courageous way. Yeah. And some of you uh, in front of me are doing it and, and are with us. So your support, friends, it really builds up the church in a powerful and big way yeah. uh, through this ministry. And so we continually, we have lectures, debates. We have um, powerful, beautiful things that are going on here all the time. If you are anywhere near us in Denver or the Front Range, I mean, like Tim is tuned in from Colorado Springs. Gretchen, Hawaii, right now the, the, the tickets from Hawaii, Gretchen, they're really not that expensive. So you come, come to some of our lectures, our debates. Uh, Kelly from Alabama. Um, so please, like help to reach us, help us to reach more uh, leaders on campus here at CU, leaders around the world mm. um, by your donation. Please uh, support us in this tremendous day of giving uh, to give the real truth of who Jesus Christ is in the world, the priest, prophet, and the king, the altar, the lamb, and the sacrifice. Um, uh, we're going to try to raise $21,000 in the next 21 hours. So um, tune in as you're listening to this. We're going to share it. You guys share this with your friends. Put yeah. this on your Facebooks. Um, all 28 of you, nine of you who are watching right now. Uh, we have, uh, uh, right now we are at 3561 8, 000, nine, no, $3,561. <laughs> I saw some scribbles. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the thing. Because it keeps I, going up. Yeah, because oh, I took sorry. my glasses off, actually, because they were reflecting. Classic. Um, so um, you can text your donation, 7205 one, one three. three seven three three seven um and uh you guys are the bomb hmm. dot com oh my gosh did i just say that oh i'm embarrassed of myself did i even do i'm sorry I'm we're sorry, all Scott. embarrassed for you i am i you know the, we're okay you know no just roll uh, roll it off the day <laughs> so, of the lord is coming so thank you um jesus be our guide hmm. um thank you all for tuning in um this is the longest podcast we've ever done no by um, like unfortunately 23 minutes. it's not <laughs> 
No. Believe it or not. No. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> what was our longest? The first Easter vigil we did. Oh. It was like five hours long. Yeah, that was a long podcast, It was as long as so. an Easter vigil. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for laughing at Thanks this. for joining us in Drogos. Um, don't fake the funk. Keep it real. Yes, indeed. And please continue donating like Father Peter said. Share this with your friends. ThomasCenter.org slash Luke21Challenge. You can find us online. The phone number seven two zero five one three seven three three seven. Come Boom. on now. This is God bless you. We love you and we're out. And please pray for our ministry. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash AICT. You can find the Lanky Guys at lankyguys.org and you can send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Thanks, everyone.